0: Welcome into Hardcore Penn State Football Episode 30. Thank you guys all so much for listening and sharing. We have an awesome episode for you today. Got some five star reviews to go over, got some fan questions to talk about. Obviously, a lot of news from camp. Two commits, one also decommit that we need to talk about, as well as previewing Michigan State and Maryland. The final team previews Penn State football just three weeks away. Let's get right into the show, everybody. in to hardcore Penn State football. I am Corey Listokey with me. as always, the great Sean Kane. How are you doing today, Sean?
1: Easy like Sunday morning, Corey. Um how did I get the great adjective attached to my name? I really I really like that.
0: I'm not really sure to be honest with you. Um, I was just feeling generous, feeling nice, feeling complimentary today. I'm not really sure. It's a Sunday morning on August fourteenth. And we are less than three weeks away from Penn State football, so maybe I'm just in a good mood. I'm just vibing today. That must be it. That must be it. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm going to have a, uh, get a, uh, a Boston butt on the, uh, smoker about right after this episode. So it's going to be a good day around here. Awesome. That
1: sounds great. Much better than my Sunday, which involves cleaning a new
0: apartment. Yeah. No, that does not sound as much fun. To be no. honest with you. no. But it has to be done. Sean, we have a lot to talk about today. We've got some five-star reviews to go over. Again, thank you to everyone that is submitting those. I think we have four-ish uh, hardcore Penn State football stickers still to give away. So if you drop a five-star review on Apple or do a rating on Spotify, uh, give us – show some proof, and we will send you a sticker. Thank you. So I guess we've got like six or seven people that have already done that, and we've got those stickers already set out and heading that way probably – if you sent one out, you'll probably get it in no more than two weeks. Uh, so keep an eye out for those, and we'll read those in a second. We got some fan questions today, Sean. We've got two commits to talk about, one also decommit, which kind of hurt our hearts a little bit, and then we have some camp news that we need to discuss, as well as previewing Michigan State and Maryland. So a pretty meaty episode for uh, for everybody today.
1: Yeah, a lot to dive into. Uh, it's a busy time of the year, and we're only going to get busier, guys.
0: Yes. Oh, and I should maybe I'll we'll just do the logistics of that right now and say Sean and I discussed it. And we are going to still do two episodes uh, during the regular season, but it will be Sunday and Wednesday night. So we'll be recording, I guess, on Sunday and Wednesday. So most of you guys won't be able to really listen to it until Thursday, but that gives people that are driving or going to and from work, that gives you two days to listen to the pod instead of just trying to rush it on Thursday, and you guys would only really have a day and a half maybe to listen to the preview pod. So we're going to do Wednesday night recording, so that would give you guys a little bit more time. So if you guys are curious on how that's all going to go down, um, I think that's going to be better from now. Um And, um, yeah, let's get right into the five-star reviews, Sean. Three of them to go over. Again, drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'll read it on the show. And if you're within the next four to five, we'll uh, we'll send you a sticker. Um, So let's get right into it. This one was from Touchdown Sc 3 And the five-star review says, this is awesome. Love this podcast. Highly recommended. Short and sweet. Right to the point. We love it. We love it a lot. Uh this is one that we actually put on social media. Hard, you can follow us at Hardcore PSU Football. Doing really well on TikTok lately as well. So we're on TikTok. YouTube channel is doing really well. Everything's doing really well. Uh, but this one said, Two outstanding hosts and even better, I'm assuming content. It got gave me the ellipses. I can't read all of it. But uh, five star review. Great, insightful show. Maybe that's where you got the great from, Sean.
1: Maybe that's it from the great. big
0: blue dog. Yes, from the big blue dog, which is just fantastic. Maybe is it Sean Clifford writing this? I don't know. Um great <laughs> insightful show from two knowledgeable individuals on ev- on the ever-changing college football landscape and how it relates to Penn State. Honest and fact-based points discussed from two fans who just happen to run a podcast. Love listening to the variety of topics discussed and insight they are they give on everything PSU. We are so big blue dog. Thank you. That was a very, I love when it's well thought out and well read like that. That's uh that's awesome. So we appreciate that for sure. Very much so. And then the final one, this is from Chris. I know Chris is uh, on Twitter. So thank you for that. Chris Brown, six, five, six says two episodes in and I'm addicted. Five star review. Just recently stumbled upon this podcast and I'm loving the insight so far can't wait for the in-season pods so I'm so I'm ready for game day so thank you Chris for that uh, and stickers are already going out to those people so don't miss an opportunity one final I guess housekeeping item Sean if you're following us on Twitter if you're not make sure you do you are at hardcore PSU football but we put out a series of poll questions and those poll questions will run all the way until Friday I believe. And we will be and, and next week's episode, by the way, is a huge preview show uh, where we're going to be previewing Penn State football in its entirety. It's, you know, the the schedule, the, the the position groups, everything. So in addition to that, we have a bunch of poll questions up right now, which you can answer. Uh, I think there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, like 12 questions. We've got about 50 responses so far. Um, but we will be talking about all of those questions and all of the results of those questions on the episode next week. Uh, so make sure to get in there and vote. Pretty simple questions. You don't have to like you know do anything besides vote. Nobody knows it's it's anonymous. Nobody knows who you voted for. Um, and yeah, you should go ahead and do that. We'll be discussing those next week. Uh, Five star reviews are done. All that housekeeping. Mumbo Jumbo is done. Let's get into the fan questions, Sean. We had two, we, we had three fan questions. One uh, wanted us to relate linebackers of the 2000s to so James Franklin's linebackers. I think that's a discussion we can have at some point, but I don't want to go down that rabbit hole today. But thank you for that question. Uh, but we have two other ones. One is short and sweet, Sean. I don't want to spend too much time on it. Uh, Because we've talked in in nauseam about this. And that is from dmoney7732, Daniel, on Twitter. Says, if Clifford stays healthy, can we, I'm assuming Penn State, win the Big Ten? What bowl will they get? And we've talked about this quite a bit. And and what the ceiling is with this team. I think we put it around 10 wins or so. I don't know if 10 wins. I will say this just to, to be clear cut and not play the gray area here. I will say if you go 10 and two, I don't think that's enough to win the big 10 East this year. Um, maybe if only one of those losses in, is in the big 10, your other loss is to Auburn. But I'm going to just assume that the two losses are in conference. I don't think two conference losses is enough to win the big 10 East this year. I think Ohio state stumbles and has one loss. Cause I just don't like predicting anyone to go undefeated. Sean, Um, but a Sean Clifford is hundred percent healthy. And I tweeted it the other day. If we see vintage 2019 Sean Clifford versus Michigan, or even Sean Clifford versus Auburn, I think 10 wins is possible. Uh, but I, even if they beat Ohio state, I think they stumble twice somewhere else in the big 10. Um, and I don't see Ohio state losing more than one big 10 game. Uh, so I'm going to say that is not enough to even get to the big 10 championship. Um, which I think is a harder ask than winning it. I think if you get there, whoever's from the big 10 East is probably going to be favored. So that's my thought. And then I guess what bowl will they get? I think if they go 10 wins, they're in a new Year's six bowl. So, which I feel like most fans would be happy with Sean. What are your thoughts?
1: Um, I actually think we could win the big 10. If Sean Clifford stays healthy, um, because of that Auburn point, I could definitely see them losing early to Auburn, who, okay, I'm not crazy about going into this year, but it's on the road in a hostile environment. We're still figuring some things out. Yeah, I could definitely see us stumbling at Auburn, but then getting it together around midseason, maybe dropping one to Michigan or Ohio State beat, but going one-on-one against them, and then winning the rest of the games. So, yes, I I could see I could see Penn State winning winning the Big Ten if Cl- if Clifford stays healthy. Um, the what bull will they get? Um, I don't know if you want my bull prediction. What it actually is, um, but if they win the Big Ten, they probably go to the Rose Bowl. If they if they're ten and if they if they're eleven and two, so yeah, I, don't,
0: I don't know what the playoff yeah. sites are this year either. They might yeah. I think the Rose Bowl might be one of them this year.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so the Fiesta Bowl or the Sugar Bowl, wherever, um or, or the Peach Bowl. Uh so yeah, New Year's six bowl of some sort if they were to win the Big Ten with two losses, because it's so hard to make the playoffs with two losses as we saw in twenty sixteen.
0: Right, right. Yeah. I think that's the uh, that's the best way to say it. So um it looks like the two bowl games will be the Peach Bowl. And I think it's the Fiesta Bowl. So I think the Rose Bowl will be okay this year.
1: Yeah, so if that were to happen, then those are the bulls that I could see them getting to. Um, but I'll I think we'll get into our official bull predictions for the season preview.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we don't have to go too far down that rabbit hole. Um, and I'm excited. The uh, bowl game, or the bowl game, the national championship this year is in L.A. So that would be a pretty cool sight. It would be uh, just something different. Looking forward to that. Um, let's move on to the next question. Uh, and that was, and I just thought this was a good question. Because um, we haven't talked enough, I feel like, about the kicking game. Um, how worried should, and this is from Matt McGloin's Ego on Twitter, which is... Just a fantastic Twitter name. Um, how worried should PSU fans be about the kicking position this year? Uh, Sean, I'll let you go first. Uh, somewhat worried. Um, last year,
1: I don't think Jordan Stout, um, I, I don't think he inspired too many people with his place-kicking abilities, and he beat Jake Pinniger out in camp. So you have to take that into account, that Pinniger, even though we've seen him kick before. Uh, he's had an up and down career. And Sahedak, we've never seen kick in a live game. So I think it's fair to be somewhat concerned. I think kickoff duties, I, I think Sahadak's got that. I think he'll be very good at it. And if you want to get into punting too, yeah, I could definitely look, it's guys that came in here as walk ons and a true freshman. So yeah, I think it's definitely fair to be somewhat worried about kicking, especially when you had Stout be such a weapon for us in both punting and uh,
0: handling kickoff duties. And he's gone now. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm I, worried. Uh, I'll just say I'm worried. Maybe I'm just, I felt optimistic today waking up. Felt like I woke up on the right side of the banana tree, but I feel like I'm being a little bit more negative than usual this morning, but I am worried, Sean. I mean, Jordan Stout, I mean, first specialist taken off the board, taken before Matt Ariza, which, by the way, had an awesome punt the other day in a preseason game. I think he had an 82-yard punt. Yeah,
1: he um, boomed
0: that. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, when you have a guy who did everything, and now you have nobody, really, who's done anything for a couple years, then, yeah, that's a big concern. I guess your concern probably weighs on how much you think Jake Pinnegar is going to be. Is he going to be like he was in 20 what 19? or is he going to be what he was in 2020? And my concern is he is dynamite from inside of 40. But I don't really know in today's college football world if that's much of a bragging right. Like I feel like you have to be a power 5 kicker, you need to be dynamite and automatic from inside of 40. What separates you is how well are you from 40 from 40 to 50? I'm not asking you to make all your 50 yarders. But I really kind of expect you to make 80, 85% from 40 to 50. I mean, that's just kind of what's expected nowadays. If you can take out that no man's land, should we punch, should we kick, should we go for it? Um, I think that's that's pretty important. I will say maybe Penn State's a little bit more aggressive this year if Jake Pinniger gets the start because they are around that 30, 35-yard line. Maybe they decide to go for it more. Uh, it makes me think of the Bill O'Brien days, and I actually loved when they went for it a lot more. Um, so I'm not fully trusting Jake Pinninger. I still think Xander Seheidek has the better leg and I really think he's going to get the starting nod, but we talked about how that's just going to come down to statistics and all that. Um, so we'll have to wait and see, but, and I posted this on Twitter too, no, no one's talking enough about the kick coverage, uh, team for the last co- I think there was actually, a, uh, the Maryland game. We actually had a couple really good kick coverage plays. For whatever reason, Jordan Stott wasn't able to have a couple touchbacks in that game, and they looked really good. Um, but new gunners at the punting unit, probably new gunners on the kickoff squad too, and now you're most likely not going to have, I don't know, you probably won't even have 50 or 50% touchbacks now. So uh, you're going to have to find a way to lock up the kickoff coverage unit, and that worries me a little bit because Penn State has been burned in the past. Um, and that is a huge momentum swinger that we haven't really had to worry about for the last couple of years. So that worries me. The punting duty, I don't think Jordan Stout was necessarily the most consistent punter when, when he, he had his moments. But I was like watching, I think I was, I don't even know what game it was that I was watching um, where he he really needed to have a really good punt and then he wasn't able to. Like there was a couple of times where he kind of shanked one when we really needed a good punt. I think it was the Maryland game actually. Um, the drive where Tagovailoa ends up throwing the, inter- the pick six to Jair Brown, I think they started that drive almost at the 50-yard line, 45-yard line, because Stout had a really bad punt. So he wasn't, like, perfect. Um, and we have some decent options there, too. It looks like maybe Barney O'Moore is going to be the dude there. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm worried, Sean. I, I am worried as of right now. Um, if Jake Pinnegar is automatic and looking good, then, yeah, maybe I feel better. But there's a lot of question marks right now. And Sean, it's not like we were doing very well in the games where it came down to three points or less, or five points or less. We lost a lot of those games. Uh, so it's—I mean, take the Illinois game. We would have won that game in regulation. I believe a Stout makes one of those field goals. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I, I am worried. I, I'll say it. I'm worried. Um, so I thank you again for the questions this week. They were really good questions. We've had a lot of really yep. good questions. Again, we have. We can, Find us on Twitter at Hardcore PSU Football. We like this podcast to be more of a conversation with you guys. And so the more you guys interact with us, the more we'd like to interact with you guys. This is not us thinking we're better than anyone else. This is a community effort here. So uh, we appreciate the questions. Keep them coming, please. Uh, We'll probably have a big question episode or part of the episode next week on the preview show. Um, Mm -hmm. I guess we're good with that. Reviews are done. Uh, fan questions are done. I want to get to, we're going to do this probably every Wednesday episode, uh, once the NFL kind of, uh, a week is over and we're going to have a little NFL recap for Penn state players and what they did in the NFL from the previous week. So we're going to start that this week, I guess, uh, because there was some conversations with Penn state, uh, making, you know, making some presence felt some other guys, maybe not so much. Uh, I I thought it was funny. I'm sure you guys have seen the the picture now of Will Fries with his fellow teammate. What I don't know what the guy's first name is, but his last name was French. So you have French fries both in the huddle at the same time, which was a fantastic find. I think it was by part of my take. Um, So that was pretty funny. I don't know. That picture I put on Twitter and Facebook, but it literally it's French fries. That was pretty good. And Will Fry is still. I mean, if you would have told me Will Fry was still in the NFL, what, a couple years later now. Uh, good for Will Fry. He was always a guy who worked really hard. I would never doubted his ability to work hard. Um, I never thought he was a top tier offensive lineman. But he's he's found a way to stay in the NFL longer than I thought, Sean.
1: Yeah, he is in what? Year three? I think he that sounds left right. in tw- after 2019. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was never really that high on Will Fries when he was at Penn State. And I also wasn't, I also would have been really surprised. Um, so, yeah, kudos to him. I was, and it's cool that he was uh, referenced and a picture of him was on such a big uh, Twitter
0: account. Yeah, that was cool for him. Um, and I'm not saying we're going to like get every single guy every week, but. Just from the things I was able to see. Uh, Trace McSorley on Friday started for the Cardinals and ended up, I think, with like a buck 66 throwing like 20 yards rushing and had a passing touchdown and had a couple nice plays. One play he broke out of the pocket, almost was sacked, avoided the sack, had a nice throw down field on the run. He looked pretty good. I can't believe, I mean, right now he's battling for the third spot. There's a, Washington state quarterback undrafted free agent that they also signed and he's battling for that third spot. But the second guy's Colt McCoy. And I'm just thinking to myself, as far as like the offense they run with Kyler Murray, why would you want Colt McCoy over Trace McSorley at Colt McCoy's point in his career? I know he's a veteran presence and everything, but as far as what Colt McCoy and Trace McSorley bring to the table from athleticism perspective in comparison to Kyler Murray, I mean, I mean, I feel like you want Trace McSorley there. And maybe that's how it ends up when it's all said and done. But, no, I think Trace McSorley, I didn't get to watch the game. I think he had one throw that was a dangerous throw. It was almost intercepted. But otherwise, clean sheet, led the offense down the field, scored. They got some points on a couple other drives field goal-wise. And I think he definitely didn't hurt his case as far as getting a third spot locked up. Um, but I mean, Arizona went out of their way in November to sign him from Baltimore. So I would be pretty shocked if he doesn't end up making the team, Sean,
1: yeah, he did pretty well. Um, it was good to see him. He's another guy. It's a good It's good to see him still playing uh, in the NFL. Um and yeah, I think he, you know, Colt McCoy's pretty old. and it's a wonder that he has backed up so many quarterbacks, and he's really the definition of a journeyman. Uh, so maybe they go with the guy like Trace, who plays a similar—I mean, they're, they're far from identical—but they play a similar. He plays a similar game to Kyler Murray. So if Kyler Murray were to get injured or he couldn't play for whatever reason, uh, yeah, I don't think your game has to change very much putting Trace in there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, let's move on. Um, I was going to mention Jahan Dotson, Washington Commanders first round pick, first preseason game. Basic, no, no catches. I think he only was targeted maybe not even one time, maybe one time deep. I, I wasn't sure on that number I found, um, but basically uneventful. I think he was only in for two drives. I think they know what they have in him, and I don't think they're too worried about him getting like a bunch of reps right now. I think, you know, these are, I think what the third preseason game is usually the one where the starters play a decent amount. I
1: I think now it's going to be generally the second one since they went from four preseason games to three.
0: Oh, that's right. That's a good point. Yep. 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 So we'll probably see a little bit more in the next one. But then after that, um, I think they know what they have. I mean, the people have been really high on him. People are saying he might be the, he might be better than Terry McLaurin, which is saying something. Um, so yeah, not too shocker there, but, Keep that in mind. And the last guy I wanted to mention, uh, Jaquan Brisker, safety for the Bears. Had a one series where he made every single play, first down, second down, and third down. Had a big hit to stop a receiver who caught the ball. Um, then he had a big hit on a guy who had a running back who had broken a tackle and maybe would have picked up a couple more yards, stopped him before he got to the line of scrimmage. And then he had an almost interception. I believe that was on third down. He literally almost picked it off. Receiver did a good job fighting to, to kind of almost break up the pass, but uh, Brisker looking really good. Everyone, uh, Chicago faithful, are like just appalled and shocked that they were able to get him um, at 48th um, in the NFL. So looks like Brisker is looking really good. Everything we've heard from Brisker stuff and Dotson stuff, I mean, everyone seems really happy with those two guys. Uh, Sean, is there anyone else I may have missed that you want to mention real quick?
1: Uh, yeah. Um, so just, about that, Sid and Brisker. I mean, we both we both have hyped these guys up so, so much. Like, no matter when we both said no matter who picks them, they're going to really, really like those two players. So not too surprising. Uh, I want to mention Mike Kosicki because uh, he plays for my Dolphins. And he it kind of surprised me that he played last night because Tua didn't play, Tron Armstead didn't play. So most of the starters didn't play, but Kosicki played. I think that's because he's trying, you know, Mike McDaniel, who comes from the 49ers, uh, they're a very run-heavy team, and they require everybody to be able to block. And Mike's struggles blocking are well-known since he was at Penn State. He's a great pass catcher, not a great blocker. Uh, So he played last night. He had a catch for 13 yards um like i said a little surprising that he that he um that he played but he did he did have a catch and he didn't play all that much so
0: yeah yeah i mean pay attention to him because he was franchise tagged this year so this is a big money-making year for him correct uh so for sure for sure um anyone else before we move on no i don't think so All right. Well, we have some uh, recruiting news to talk about, which I feel like this might be the latest in the show we've gotten to the recruiting part of things. Um, Good news or bad news first, John? Let's do bad news first. Now, you correct. We have not talked about this decommitment yet, right? That happened this past week. Just want to make sure. Yeah, we haven't. Okay. Um, Yeah, this one kind of stunk. Yeah. Especially because of the fact that this guy was on campus i think a week prior and it just it it seems kind of bizarre and i think everyone else has kind of got a bizarre vibe from it too Um, but that is the decommitment of four star maybe eventually when it's all said and done he might even be a five star defensive end uh tj parker from phoenix city alabama he was a huge. He was like he was a Penn State fan. It seemed like he was well committed. It was no big deal. He was done. I think him and Marcus Stokes were pretty close. And from what I've read, it seems like it's Florida, Georgia, maybe even Tennessee involved there. Um, and who knows at that point? And Florida, by the way, is on a recruiting terror. Right now I saw they just flipped another linebacker from South Carolina. Billy Napier is doing a fantastic job over there right now, uh, but. Yeah, this one kind of came out of left field a little bit. I'm not sure if he's made a public statement or not yet. Um, and he's still he's still picking up some. Uh, I saw he just picked up an offer from Clemson the other day. Um, so it looks like that commitment, and maybe Penn State's not out of it. Maybe Penn State's able to get him on for a whiteout game to visit, but it's really looking like all of a sudden Penn State's not even in the running. So I don't know what happened exactly, Sean. Maybe you know a little bit more, but... This one was like a light switch, just turned on and then turned off. And this was one of Penn State's bigger commits, maybe a surprising one when it happened. uh, But one of the ones where we were leaning on and saying because of a guy like TJ Parker, maybe this was going to be a top 10 class. Penn State's now sitting at number 10 and most likely not going to finish inside the top 10. Long ways ago, who knows, Uh, but definitely has, has taken a couple hits. Um, in in the past month. We do have some good news to talk about after this, but but Sean, anything to add to that?
1: Yeah. Um, You know, TJ Parker might have been the, he was, in my opinion, the best defensive player in the class. So this is a big, big, big loss. Uh, It's tough recruiting in the South, especially as a team, as a school that's nestled in central PA. And it's tough going down Alabama having a guy commit to you that's kind of, and we, we mentioned this too, that was kind of under the radar a little bit. Uh, even for a guy that was a top 100 guy, um, Penn State just, they blew him away on his official visit. He committed shortly after. And it was a bit of, it was a bit of surprise that he even committed to Penn State. And now it looks like, The teams from the South, Georgia, Florida, like you mentioned, Tennessee, uh, they're all coming in pretty hard after him. And I'm sure there are different NIL opportunities in the South. Um, I'm not, I I don't know if that's the sole reason why. I doubt it. Um, And he could play close. He has an opportunity to play a lot closer to home than Central PA. So it definitely stings. I texted Corey. This probably means we have to stop thinking as thinking we're going to get a top ten class. It's probably going to be a top fifteen class, which is good, but not great. (laughs) Um, And I hope we I hope we could stay inside the top fifteen. But like we and we need an we need another edge rusher now, and unfortunately what's left at edge that a lot of those guys are off the board already. So we might have to flip somebody or we might have to go after some projects. So
0: it's a bummer guys. It's a bummer for sure. Well, let's not dwell on it for too long. Um, Yeah, it is what it is. I have faith that they find guys that, you know, maybe aren't to his caliber, but, they move on and it's not like, I mean, this guy was, this guy was, you know, it was gravy, right? He wasn't the mashed potatoes. He was a huge addition. It would have made things a lot more flavorful. Um, but it wasn't like a guy going into this year, like six months ago that we thought Penn state was going to land really anyway. So, um, it stinks cause you had him. but it, I guess going back six months ago, we would have been like, Oh, well, we weren't expecting that anyway. Um, Let's get to the two commits. And one of them, at least, was a pretty big surprise. One of them maybe not so much a big surprise. Um, Let's talk quarterback first, because why not? Most recent commit in Jackson Smollett, quarterback from Iowa. Sean, I got to give you credit. I feel like you spoke about Jackson Smollett pretty much immediately when Marcus Stokes decommitted. Um, Elite 11 member, I think that was a big kind of – break that he needed to get recognized. Penn State uh, pretty much jumped on the board to get him on campus pretty much as soon as that had happened. And um, he hasn't got a bunch of power five offers yet, but I expect that to change pretty quickly. He's a three-star guy right now. Wouldn't be terribly surprised if he ends up at a four-star guy when it's all said and done, or at least higher, uh, more highly ranked than he currently is. But Penn State gets their quarterback in the 2023 class that they wanted.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's too bad of a trade off. Uh, you know, not landing Marcus Stokes, but we land another Elite Eleven uh, finalist and somebody who actually outperformed Marcus Stokes at the Elite Eleven camp. Um, like you said, his offer sheet isn't all that impressive, but he's received. He said he received an offer from an SEC school. He hasn't disclosed which school that was, and he's got a, he's got interest from Notre Dame and Wisconsin. And I think his rate, his rating on the recruiting websites, is going to rise. Uh, had some bad luck last year; he broke his collarbone, so he didn't really get to display all that much, and it raised questions about his arm strength. From what I understand, people's uh, coaches at Penn State seem good enough with his arm strength, and he's a very accurate quarterback, and he's he um, had a great he has great release on his passes uh, interesting that a couple days ago Alan true from 24/7 sports this is right on his public uh, recruiting small public recruiting profile he comped him to case Keenum from the Washington commanders and if I'm sure Penn State fans remember that Houston game in I believe 2011 and Case Keenum, uh, really dissected that Penn State defense, so I think Penn State fans would be happy with somebody equivalent to Case Keenum. Uh, Smolak has to, you know, he's only two hundred pounds right now, so he's gonna he's gonna get a little bit bigger. And like I said, I do expect his uh, profile to rise a little bit and his ra- his rating to rise a little bit. Um, he's from Iowa, so he's going to be going up against JJ uh, Cole uh, at some point in the uh, in his senior season. Uh, so if he could have a good se- senior season, I could also see him. I agree with you, Corey. He'll probably end up being a high three-star guy, maybe a low four-star guy, sort of like uh, Sean Clifford was out of high school.
0: Yep, yep, yep. I think you summed that up pretty well. I think this is a good, a good commit for Penn State. I, I think this guy is and, – and he had a really – when he – committed he had a you know just basically said I felt bad leaving Tulane and Tulane was the first got you know team to believe in us and the coaching staff there was great I think that's cool when you kind of see those things um and remember Penn State when it comes to quarterbacks is usually in front of other schools as far as scouting goes and I would not be surprised if that offer sheet really starts filling out here especially when other schools start realizing that they need a quarterback or whatever the case may be um yeah let's move on to what I I think we were both a little bit surprised because we didn't know when the commitment was at least going to happen, and I thought we both weren't really thinking Penn State was the front runner, um, and that is the commitment of four-star wide receiver Carmelo Taylor. We had talked about him, I guess probably like every episode for like the last month, but we thought maybe he was a Virginia Tech lean. He's from Roanoke, Virginia, which is only like forty-five minutes away from Blacksburg. Um, he had some. Uh, offers and potential liens for South Carolina as well and ends up coming to Penn state. And we weren't even really sure when he was going to commit. And then all of a sudden it was just boom, done. Here's a commitment. Um, Fringe top 300 player, six best player from the state of Virginia speedster guy. He's even said, he's like, I want to be a deep threat guy. Like I want to, you know, basically take the top off of the defense uh needs to put on some weight, Sean, but Penn State only had one receiver commit at this point in this class. I'm not I said this last episode. I don't think they need a bunch of receivers since they got so many receiver DB like guys in the 2020 uh, 2 class, but Carmelo Taylor, a big addition, kind of gave Penn State a little bit more momentum. We got Carmelo Taylor and then we got Smolik. So things are trending positive again in this crazy recruiting roller coaster world that we live in.
1: Yeah, uh, Carmelo Taylor is a really, really interesting prospect. And it looked like South Carolina had the lead for him. Uh, most people expected this recruitment to go into the fall, regardless of who he committed to. I don't know if that's still the case. Um, hopefully, he. I know James Franklin, I think the way he puts it, Is when you commit, that means you're engaged, and when you're engaged, that means there's marriage at the hopefully at the other end, and you're not going to be seeing anybody else. So I'm and oftentimes James Franklin tries to convince them not to commit if they're not ready. Uh, But yeah, speed, speed, speed. I think he's a good replacement for Yazid Haynes. Uh, He does a lot of the same things that. Haynes does. Uh, he could take the top off the defense. He, while he does need to definitely bulk up, he's probably not going to be a fresh. He's probably not going to be an out of the box ready guy. Uh, if he could bulk up, yeah, I think he's going to be somebody who you could get the ball to and then just watch him fly. Um, sort of like and sort of like uh, how we relied on KJ Hamler when he was here. Um, not saying he's next K.J. Hamler, but he's that style of receiver. So he's a guy that I think Penn State fans should be really excited about. Um, It wouldn't shock me if we brought in another receiver, but I'm not sure if it's really necessary. Um, Because like you said, Corey, we had a bunch of receivers in last year's class, and I think we're going to probably bring in four or five more receivers in next year's class.
0: Right, yeah, I, I'm with you there. Um, and there's still a couple other guys, maybe Penn State's on the radar for. But I think getting Taylor, I think there's a little bit of sigh of relief there. Like, okay, you know, we're feeling pretty good as far as this class is concerned going into the fall. And because the fall is an interesting time, because yeah, some guys still want to commit, and Penn State probably will get a commit in the fall. Um, but it's not the main focus anymore, right? We have the regular season to talk about and. And it kind of gets put on the back burner a little bit. And a lot of guys want to be done before the fall for the senior season. So, um, yeah, I think this is a big commit. And, again, it's all about momentum. And after the Parker decommit, getting these two guys kind of makes things feel a little bit better. You kind of – I know I feel a little bit better, which I'm sure Penn State coaching staff feels a lot better. So, um, yeah, I think this is big for Penn State. And now, like, yeah, we probably need another edge player, but – Otherwise, Penn State's class, if it finished right now, it would, would probably not even be top 15, but you're in a pretty good position when it's all said and done. Um, and I think that I think that kind of matters. So um, any final thoughts on recruiting? Any other guys maybe we should be paying attention to as we head into the fall, Sean?
1: Yeah. Um, so, unfortunately, it looks like KV, KV on Keys – uh, might be moving away from Penn State. Uh, I believe there were crystal ball picks in for North Carolina. So North Carolina had been the leader there. Penn State made a good push. Uh, but right now, uh, Steve Wilfog and Brian Doan both put in crystal balls uh, at a level six for North Carolina. So that's a bit of a bummer. But there is there are a few weeks left, so you never know.
0: Is that... Is he going to visit Penn State? Is there any information if he's going to visit Penn State for a football game this year? Not sure. Not sure. Not that I'm I th- not that I know of, but I don't know. I'm just thinking if, you know, it might not be all said and done. Since when he came up to Penn State and he loved it so much, if he comes back for another visit, uh, you could put, like, Cam Seldon in that same kind of group. Like, if they end up visiting again, you never know. When you come... The Penn State during a football game, it kind of maybe changes your opinion a little bit, of things. So I'm curious as far as Keys go. It'd be a huge get if they ended up with Keys. But, yeah, it, it was a long shot to begin with, and the commitment made them feel better about it. Um, but now it's starting to think otherwise. Um, Roderick Pleasant was a guy I wanted to get your thoughts on. Yeah, Felt like that one was done, but then maybe not 100% over? Yeah,
1: Roderick Prep. Pleasant is an interesting one. Uh, he's from Elton, California, who, and that's a place that I would like to see Penn State recruit better. I think Oregon and USC. I think they're the two leaders right now. But Penn State supposedly get going to pr- most likely get a visit from uh, Mr. Pleasant in the fall. So maybe, maybe Penn State could play its way in there. It's a big deal that we made his top four. Uh, so. It's But like I said, I think the leaders right now would be USC and Oregon. Uh, but Penn State has – I would give us an outside chance, especially if he, if he could just get on that plane and come out here because that's always the big challenge with somebody that's so far away.
0: Right, right, right. Anyone else, Sean, um, that we need to maybe keep an eye on as we head into the fall?
1: Uh nobody coming to mind right now, but um there's always guys that come up and we're probably going to get four or five more commitments from somebody. So
0: this class will definitely be filling out. Right on, right on. Well we will keep paying attention to that. Um let's talk Penn State football. <laughs> Camp is here. Um actually there's something that just crossed my mind that I just Went away. Um, But the biggest news that we obviously need to discuss this just happened, I think, as of yesterday. And that is Kaziah Holmes, running back Kaziah Holmes, no longer listed on the Penn State roster uh, as of Saturday, August 13th, I believe. So this is a big deal. I thought maybe we hadn't discussed enough that all the running backs stayed intact through the summer. And nobody left in the transfer portal. Nobody entered their name in the transfer portal even. Uh, we both thought in the spring that there was no way that Devin Ford, Keziah Holmes, and Kevon Lee were all going to be here. Um, we obviously know Kane left, but that wasn't too much of a surprise. He we went back to his home state and went to LSU. Um, but still, with the, the incomers with Ktron Allen and Nick Singleton both coming um, in the spring, he thought, okay, there's there's a bunch of dudes here. Kaziah Holmes has been here for three years now. Devin Ford's been here for four years now. If and if Kevon Lee stays in front of both of them, I mean, you're you're potentially looking at Holmes and Ford being the fourth and fifth guy, uh, and that kind of seems to be the case right now. And Kaziah Holmes I apparently was a little banged up, a little dinged up. Didn't necessarily get as many reps as maybe he'd like. I think if I had a guess, Jawan Sider told all the guys, don't. Transfer until the camp. Maybe, you know, let's let's see what happens and I think because Holmes is, is maybe seeing the writing on the wall and With the pads on and it's August now and we've seen some videos of Kaytron Allen running people over and Nick Singleton doing a couple things Um It's pretty clear at this point Sean that those two guys are at least ahead of Kazaa Kaziah homes if not Devin Ford and maybe even Kevon Lee I still think Yvonne Lee's the starter week one, um, but I don't think it's very far-fetched to say at this point Ktron Allen and Nick Singleton might be the two best running backs on the roster. I think Devin Ford stays because I think he's going to be used in the special teams role at the very least. And I think Devin Ford, I, I've heard really good things as far as k Allen's pass blocking goes, but I think Devin Ford still might be the best pass blocker um, so I think he still gets used from time to time in that regard, and um, he has a lot of experience and the special teams role. But Keziah Holmes, who was a um, a backup of the backup, he was a uh, practice squad guy, got banged up a little bit, and now he might be behind the two freshmen. I mean, it, it's nothing against him. He just, he just probably wouldn't get very many reps if he stayed at Penn State.
1: Right, right, right. Uh, it's a crowded room. We've known that. And he redshirted last year. So he stuck with it until the summer. Uh, but it wasn't that surprising uh, that one of the running backs would leave. And they had a scrimmage on, I believe, well, it was during the week. I forget which day, exactly which day. And maybe Holmes didn't get as many reps. And like he said, he saw the writing on the wall. And he didn't want to be backing up. Uh, two freshmen, plus Keyvon Lee, plus probably Devin Ford. So I can't blame him, and I really wish him the best of luck because I think he's a talented kid that just kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit.
0: Right, right. Um, Sean, before we move on, I just wanted to throw out a name, another recruit name that I just thought of, um, and that is Zion Tracy, uh, the corner from New York. Seems like Penn State's in a good position there. He's not getting a bunch of love from a lot of other yep. places. Um, but I just wanted to throw that name out there just for people listening at home for names to pay attention to moving forward.
1: Yeah, he apparently really, really impressed at Penn State's camp, uh, did a really good job against Johnny Shakir. So, yes, look for maybe a commitment coming from him at some point in time. If Penn State, he's uh, officially visiting Penn State on September 9th, so that'll be the Ohio game. So, Look for a possible commitment coming in, maybe at some point in time.
0: Right. Okay. So but yeah, no, I think that's the best way to put it. I mean, all the best to him, but yeah, there's it there was a it was a crowded field. And we said this coming out of last season. Nobody has earned anything and all bets are off and whoever's the best is gonna play. And mm-hmm. when you're coming off of such a terrible season running the ball. Nobody has earned or nobody's guaranteed anything. And um and that's just that's just the way that's just the way it is. Um let's move on and talk. You wanted to talk Manny Diaz. Uh they were running some uh what were they uh, like fumble drills as, as, as yes. what you wanted to discuss. And um he got pretty animated, got to see a little bit more fired up side of Manny Diaz, which by the way. My first thought on this, just the video in general, you only have so much practice time, Mm. and I don't know if it's really about the drill specifically or as far as just the hustling aspect of things, but the drill, if you haven't seen it, uh, basically the ball is rolling out of bounds, a fumble is rolling out of bounds, and the first guy is either supposed to make the decision of getting on top of it or batting it back into field of play for the next guy in line to then cover it up. Now, I'm not saying that's not an important thing, because how many times have we seen a fumble go out of bounds or a punt go out of bounds that was muffed or whatever the case may be? Um, Or just the fact of recovering a football, there's actually technique to it and doing it the right way. Um, I I think a lot of people that never played football don't realize the ball bounces off your shoulder pad, chest plate really easily. And if if you're a 200-pound dude coming in fast, it's pretty easy for that thing to bounce right off of your chest. Um, and to to cover it up the right way once you do have the ball because a lot of times when you get the ball or whoever gets the ball first a lot of times isn't the guy who ends up with the ball when it's all said and done I mean that ball usually tra- you know changes possession a couple times in the middle of the scrum that being said I don't know how important that drill is as far as using practice time I mean I get it but I don't know Sean I'll let you I'll let you go.
1: Well, I mean, I have a little bit of a disagreement with you because, okay, you're right that going out of bounds doesn't always mean something. But how many times have we seen a ball on the ground and a guy doesn't have a chance for it on Penn State's team, for example? But a guy from another team is coming in to recover it, and all our guy could do was get a hit, is get a hand on it. I mean that that happens a lot. So I understand the drill and why they would be doing it. Um, <laughs> And I just thought it was funny uh, the and not just funny, but it kind of underscores how Andy Diaz feels about turnovers and he was uh, Tyler Elson and Kobe King were running the drill together and Elson barely tapped the ball and I don't and Kobe King you know that they just totally mishandled the drill <laughs> and um Manny Diaz said if you if you if you do it like that, that loses you a game and you're gonna people will clap and it'll land you in the effing weed whacker bowl. So I just thought it was really I thought it was I thought it was pretty funny. And it also just underscores how important turnovers are going to be to this Manny Diaz defense and how much he emphasizes it that they would try that they would take up practice time to do a drill like this. I like it. So
0: yeah, that's a good point. I mean, as far as the emphasis on turnovers and there were a lot of times the, the ball is on the ground. Manny Diaz wants to get it every time. And I think he will lose his mind the first time that there is a forced fumble and Penn State doesn't recover, which I mean, Penn State's not going to go hundred percent in fumble recovery. It's just not going to happen. But I really think Manny Diaz expects that to happen, which I think is a good thing. Um, there's a lot of talk about not seeing a bunch of Penn State practice. I thought that was interesting. That Penn State media has not seen more than 10 live reps of 11-on-11 in the last year. Um, And so we're not getting a bunch of information out of camp. Uh, I I, I was uh, talking with Audrey Snyder the other day, and she's like, we see the same drills every time we get to go, and it's the same stuff, and whatever the case may be. Um, So we don't know a bunch, which I guess that's how James Franklin likes it, but... We see across the country, Auburn actually. Uh, I think in a week, next weekend, is having an open practice, a barbecue, and open practice. And I was like, maybe I'll go watch the Auburn practice. Maybe I can get a couple, uh, send a little scouting tips Penn State's way. No, but I mean, a lot of places, Minnesota I think is doing it, Nebraska I think is doing it, uh, having just uh, and uh, not just for the media, but for anybody to go to an open practice. I don't think Penn State's any, you know anywhere close to something like that happening, but um. So that means there's not a bunch to take away. Like I said, the running backs are looking really good, I think. Uh, one other guy – well, Sean, do you want to say anything about that before we move on?
1: Yeah, I mean, James Franklin has always been pretty hush-hush about everything, um, including, you know, we've, we've known since he's gotten here, he doesn't discuss injuries. So it's he's a pretty secretive guy, even though he's very uh, – Gregorious and very friendly with the media and he does a lot of interviews. He's pretty secretive with the finer details and what we're practicing and who's hurt and all of that and all that other stuff. And I mean, it's fine. It's whatever, but it's just, it, you, you, you don't get a whole lot until we watch on Saturday and it's, it's fine. Just win the games. I mean, I, I guess that's all I have to say about it.
0: Yeah, that's just the best way to put it, I guess. It doesn't matter your strategy on things. Just just win the games. Um, I just wanted to mention, it looks like Olu Fashano at left tackle is doing a fantastic job. Uh, people are pretty excited about him, pretty optimistic about him. A lot of people are, I mean, saying he has the tools to potentially be a first-rounder when it's all said and done. Obviously, pretty early in his career still, um, but physically, I guess, he he's looking really good over there, which any sort of optimism coming from the offensive line is a good thing. And I will say this, usually when we hear things out of camp, the things that do get leaked or the the conversations that are happening, when we get a hold of them, they're usually pretty accurate. I mean, you go all the way back to, the Nasip days and and what what he was able to do and basically when Sean yep. or when when James Franklin's able to discuss anybody, usually it's a it's a big deal, um, and it, it seems to be the case there. I think Jair Brown was interviewed lately. He said the running backs look really good. He's think he thinks all of the defensive backs. He said these defensive backs that Penn State got this past year. He said all of them are wanting to learn. He's saying all of these guys look way ahead of them physically than like he was when he first got to Penn State. Um. So some some pretty good endorsements there as well. Um, not much, Sean, from the linebacker spot. I will say this because the BTN media day was there this past week. Um, and they, so they spoke to James Franklin and Manny Diaz. And both of them sounded pretty optimistic when it came to the Mike linebacker spot as far as not sure who's going to start yet. But they feel pretty good in both of those guys. I mean, they. I think Franklin literally said it, they're way ahead of what they thought they were going to be. Uh, so that is pretty good to hear, especially if both of them are, are rocking and rolling. If you, if you feel good in the two deep at the mic spot, that's way, way more than we thought we were going to be, um, this past spring. So that's good to see there. Not a lot coming still from the, uh, the Sam spot as far as if Sutherland's the dude or, or what's going on there. um, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. I will say also, it looks like the defensive line is is for real. Um, PJ Mustiver got a lot of love on the BTN show, um, but it sounded like they're looking pretty good. Oh, and I will will say this too. The BTN crew also said that they thought that Phil Trotwine was, was coaching up the offensive line really well and that they were being very harsh and critical on everything they were doing during drills. So take that for what you will.
1: Yeah, uh, all good stuff. Uh, interesting that Dom DeLuca, who's a pretty local kid, he went to the Wyoming area, which is about 10, 15 minutes from my house. Uh, he's running with the twos or threes, and he's a walk on at the Sam linebacker spot. So while I'm happy for him, it's a little concerning that a guy is, that's a walk on is so far up the depth chart. Um, and yeah, I, the Mike linebacker spot, I mean, look, guys. Neither one, neither Elson or King have a lot of experience. So there's going to be some growing pains. But I really think that we're going to be good either way with whoever emerges from uh, this battle. And they're both going to play a little bit. They're, they're both going to play a lot, actually, I think. Um, and this competition could move into the season. Um, but I'm. Pretty, from what I hear, and from what I hear, I'm decently optimistic about it. Uh, the and then of course you have to. There's always the offensive line to worry about. We've been over it, and yeah, I think there's a lot of positive signs coming out of camp. But if you're like, if you're not positive about your team at this point in the season. Uh, before, uh, three weeks before the season, that means you're really, really down on what on what your team could actually accomplish this season.
0: Right. Yeah. I think you have to be optimistic at that point. That's why last week episode was optimism in the air. Cause that's just how it is right now. Um, Sean, let's move on to previews last two previews of the year. So if you guys have been listening all the way back in the spring, we started with Purdue and we've made our way through all of the teams on Penn State's schedule, So go back and listen to them if you like. Also, previews are on YouTube. We have only two more previews left to do on YouTube. They're about five to six minutes long. They've gotten a lot of uh, good insight there, a lot of good feedback, uh, and a lot of them have done extremely well. So uh, definitely check those out. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. The YouTube channel is doing extremely well, so we appreciate that. Um, I'm guessing that some of the later games in the season will get love as we get closer to them. Um, it's hard to really care about the Rutgers or, or the Maryland preview or whatever, you know, this early on in the season, but they're all up there. I am going to pat myself on the back because I wasn't sure if I was going to keep up, but we have kept up so far. So uh, happy that we were able to actually do that and actually uh, come through and, and stick with it and get it done. So um, those are all on YouTube. We'll get the final two up this week, Hopefully. And we'll be done. So the final previews, we kind of went out of order and we talked to Rutgers last week. So let's go back a week and talk about Maryland. Penn State gets Maryland at home this year. And then they'll go on the road at Rutgers. Uh, Maryland, Maryland, Maryland. Sean, I'm going to let you break down what you want to break down and I'll, I'll, I'll fill in the gaps. How about that? Sounds good. Yeah. So with Maryland, it all
1: starts with Talia uh, Tungavaloa. He was pretty, he was pretty, pretty good last year. Um, You know, he set single season records for Maryland for passing yards, completions, completion percentage, passing touchdowns, and 300 yard passing games. So he was very, very productive. He could also get it done on the ground. Um, that interception number is going to stick out to a lot of people. He had 11 interceptions, but five of them came against Iowa, and he also had one against Penn State. So more than half of his interceptions came against only two teams. Uh, they get a lot back at receiver uh, with Rakeem Jarrett and um, and Dante Dimas Jr. Uh, they also get uh, Jacob Copeland coming in from uh, the Florida Gators. He was really he was a really good player at Florida. Um, so getting him in is really going to help, uh, interested to see where Ramon Brown, uh, fits in with this Maryland offense. He's a, he's a four star running back who Penn Penn state had on campus multiple times. He made an official visit at Penn state. So I'd look for him to maybe, um, get some early playing time being that they didn't get a whole lot from their run game last year. So where uh, Maryland ran it. So where Maryland could run into problems is on defense. Uh, they lost Damian Robinson, aka Chop Robinson, to Penn State, and they had a few other guys transfer out. Um, so not crazy about their defense. They have a new defensive coordinator coming in, and Brian Williams. So, or actually, I believe he he actually. He finished the season up last year. So look for him to um, hope for their sake get better. Uh, But it's an interesting team. Because Mike Loxley, I would argue, is probably on the hot seat this year. Because they were rather disappointing last year. I felt like they could have definitely won more games. And they fell apart a little bit after the Iowa game. So... And that Iowa game really sort of broke their spirits. A lot like the Penn State game in 2019. Um, And they're just a tough team to get a read on. And they're honestly a tough team to feel confident about. Now, there are certain aspects of this team that I would feel confident about. I feel confident in in Talia Loa. I feel confident in a very stacked receiver room. They're going to be able to put up points this year. But their defense I worry about. And their run and their run game. So I think this is probably going to be a seven and five ish team this year.
0: Yeah, I mean, if they go seven and five, I think people in Maryland are pretty happy. Uh, yeah, that's I think, true. I think they, uh, they have a tough schedule. Uh, but when they play Penn State, they play Wisconsin at Wisconsin before Penn State, and they play Ohio State after Penn State which is just a brutal three-game stretch. They have a lot of brutal games in general. Um, I, I mean, I'm high on Tagovailoa. We talked about who we would take over Sean Clifford to run Penn State. We both had Tagovailoa on that list. Um, yep. He had 11 interceptions last year, but five of those came in that Iowa game, which if you take out turnovers, like this team looked really good at times, which I know you can't do that, but I think it's worth mentioning. You mentioned all the receivers. I think, besides Ohio State, this is a, the second best um, or the best receiving core in the Big Ten. I I love these guys. Um, even their tight end Corey Dykes had four touchdowns yeah. uh, last year. Um, running back Ramon Brown, I think, is going to get some looks. He's a four-star guy from Virginia, true freshman. I think you know they're going to do some good things there. They they bring back an experienced offensive line, so. I think they're going to run the ball better than they did the previous years. Um, I don't know if it's going to be good enough, but yeah, I think this offense is going to be good enough to keep them in every game as long as they don't go turnover crazy, which I don't think they will. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think they're going to be okay. Now their schedule isn't easy and I think six wins is is a fair prediction here. I don't like them to beat Penn state because it's at Penn state, but I do see them being a team that could beat somebody that maybe isn't ready for them when they play them at home. And I'll get to that when we get to the Michigan state preview, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Um, but yeah, the defense is worrying, worrisome. Uh, their secondary oh, They only returned one guy who had interceptions last year for the, so that's, that's worrying. and that's a uh, Ja'Korian Bennett, the cornerback. He had three last year. I think losing Nick cross is huge. I think Nick cross is really good for that team. Uh, they lose a lot of guys in that front seven, obviously chop Robinson coming to Penn state was a big one. Um, they're going to have to rely on some new guys, right? And that when you're relying on the new guys or transfer guys, I think you're rolling the dice a little bit. And, and that, that worries me a little bit. I think defensively defensive line wise, they need to do a better job getting to the pass or the pass the passer. But internally, I think they're going to be pretty good against the run. Um, Ami Finau and Messiah Nasili-Kite, two defensive tackles I really like. They've played a decent amount of football between them, both of them. I think they'll be okay there. Uh, they have a new special teams coach as well in James Thomas Jr., so I'm curious to see if they're a little bit better there. 24-7 sports average composite ranking puts them at 31.8, which if you're comparing them to like the mid-level teams in the Big Ten, 31.8 is... Better than a, like the Minnesotas, the Purdue's, the Indiana's, the Wisconsin's, If you want to throw them into the Iowas, if you will, um, thirty-one point eight in the last four years is actually better than Michigan State's twenty-four-seven uh, sports average composite for the last four years. Now, Michigan State maybe done a little bit more in the transfer portal than Maryland, um, so you have to you know weigh that into things. But but yeah, no, I I think uh, I think this Maryland team has the the star power to do great things. I don't know if they can consistently be that. I think they could get blown out by some teams, and I think they could beat some teams. Um, But I think they'll be in every game this year, and I'm glad Penn State gets them at home, to be honest with you. I think I'd be really worried, uh, not that Maryland is a tough place to play, but being on the road and having to potentially put up 30 to 40 points to beat a team like Maryland, um, that's that's, that's kind of concerning to me, especially since we don't know what Penn State's offense is going to be like. Uh, I mean, the defense did a really good job against Maryland last year. When it's all said and done, holding them to 14 points is kind of impressive when you think about it. Um, but Maryland really didn't play well against Penn State offensively in that game, and they did They didn't get. They just had a couple of bad breaks. Um, but Penn State's offense was not very good against the Maryland Isler. and I don't know if Penn State's offense can be as bad as if you take out Jahan Dotson in that Maryland game, they probably lose. And Penn State's not going to have Jahan Dotson this year. So all I'm saying is it, it, I'm happy this game is not at Maryland. Um, and if I'm Penn State fans, we'll know obviously a lot more by the time this game comes around. Uh, but if things are still a question mark by that point in the season, obviously it hadn't been a good season. Uh, but, yeah, there's, there's reason to be concerned a little bit there, uh, especially since we know that they're going to put up a lot of points.
1: Yeah, they had their – chances to win that Penn State game last year. And they really just couldn't put it all together. Uh, But yeah, this is, they're going to be, they're going to be a tough out uh, playing them late in the year. Um, Maryland, and on the other hand, Maryland's probably when you get to that cold November weather, you're going to have to be able to have somewhat of a running game or often you get, you get exposed. Uh, and I hear you on the, they, they have a brutal schedule. They have Michigan, Michigan state back to back, and then they have Purdue. And then they got to go to camp Randall, go to Beaver stadium. And then they host the Buckeyes in November. So it's going to be, it's going to be tough for them. Uh, I think seven and five, I agree with you. I think Penn state takes care of business against them, but it's, it's going to be tough. And I think Penn state, defense, it, it was, it overlooked great performance last year, but I thought they played a great, I thought they had a great performance against Maryland. Um, and you might need it again. Uh, or we're going to have to be able to find a way to put up 30 some points. And I mean, at the same time, if you're a Penn State fan, Maybe Penn State's defense is rocking and rolling by the, the by the by the middle of November. I mean, it better be. So maybe they're maybe we're not going to have that much trouble putting up points against what I don't expect to be that great of a
0: Maryland defense. You know, I think Penn State has to put up thirty points to beat Maryland this year. Now, I'm not saying it all has to come from the offense. I mean, they got thirty-one last year because of the pick-six. I think thirty points is what you need to beat Maryland this year, home or away. So, uh, obviously they could have beat them with 15 points, but I, I think 30 points is, is what they're going to need to beat Maryland this year. If everything's healthy, if everyone on both sides is healthy. And I will just find, you know, my last point on Maryland is this, when you're playing against a team and they have the better quarterback, that means something. And as of right now, we both agree that Sean Clifford's not as good as Talia Tagovailoa for, for whatever that, you know, maybe that's not the case come November, but right now that is the case. And, uh, that that gives them a little bit of an advantage. I'm not saying it's an overall advantage, but you kind of have to say like that. That makes you scared, right? If you have the better quarterback going in, and you have the better athletes, then okay. But ha- having the better quarterback really does make a big difference. And he's a mobile guy, right? Like you could argue, I'm more scared of Tagovailoa than I am of CJ Stroud to a certain degree. Like, yeah, Stroud has better weapons and and you know better offensive line and better everything, but Stroud is not going to run very much like he can wiggle and maybe pick up a first down here and there. Um, but Tagovailoa, I saw him outrun Curtis Jacobs in that game. Um, that to me is like, okay, that's, that's, that's a problem when he's outrunning your edge guys or your linebacker uh, to pick up a couple extra yards. That's when Penn state sometimes struggles. And that, that means it's, it's, it's a dangerous game when, you have a guy like Tagovailoa that can make plays even when he's been outbeat on that play. Like, what's a losing play? Maryland should not do anything successful in that play, but Tagovailoa is able to make something happen. Like that is that's when you have to be a little bit concerned or at least a little cautious. So, um, any final thoughts on Maryland, Sean? Um, just that
1: they're probably going to be a little bit more explosive this year, and they were pretty explosive last year. People forget in that Iowa game, part of the reason the whole season fell apart was uh, Dante Demas Jr., I believe tore his... He had his knee injury. I believe it was the torn ACL. And he might have been their best receiver at the time. So they bring him back, assuming he's all healthy and healed up. And they bring in Jacob Copeland. So it's going to be... It they were already a tough team to try to contain, and I think they're just going to be tougher. So it's a game that Penn State can't take lightly, and I don't expect them to. And it's going to be a challenge.
0: Yeah, yep, it, it is. But um, I'm interested to see as far as their their offense, pass offense goes. Like, are they just going to throw the ball over the yard? I, I'm excited to see that. I'm excited to watch Maryland this year, which. I don't know how Penn State fans will feel about that, but whatever. Let's move on. The last preview, Sean, as I flip my page in my little book here. The last preview of the off season, if you will, which, by the way, I'm just happy that we were able to get through all this. I mean, it's, it's awesome that we were able to do this, you know, week by week here. Michigan State. 11-2 last year, 7-2 and in conference. Obviously did really good things, beat Pitt. In the bowl game, Mel Tucker is going to be in his third year now. He had a really good transfer portal class come in and really helped him. Uh, Kenneth Walker is now gone though, and they lose some help on the offensive line. You're you know wondering defensively, are they going to be any better? Because they were terrible on pass defense, especially like they gave up four thousand yards of passing last year, like terrible, like one of the worst of all. Time. I think it was a worse past defense since 2017 UConn I think I found somewhere which is just awful um but people are optimistic around Michigan State right now uh Sean I'll let you again fill it out and I will come back and sweep up anything that any of the leftovers
1: yeah I Michigan State is probably the toughest team to preview because I think there are just so many question marks with them and how much their success had to do with Kenneth Walker last year. How much was it did it have to do with them having some luck? Because as you pointed out, they had such a terrible secondary. And how does it translate to this year? And a lot of and you know, it starts with Peyton Thorne. And Peyton Thorne's a bit of a controversial quarterback. I'm more pro Peyton Thorne than I think some fans are. Um, He just struck me as a bit of a winner. I can't lie. Like, he he gets it done. And his stats weren't bad last year. 27 touchdowns, uh, 10 interceptions. Um, But a lot of that had to do with having Kenneth Walker there. Kenneth Walker was probably the best running back in college football last year. So you lose him. But you bring back... Jalen Reed, who was a very very productive receiver for them last year, had a thousand yards. Uh, Trey Mosley is back. Uh, they bring in a transfer tight end from Illinois in Daniel Barker. Uh, so, who replaces Kenneth Walker? Well, uh, Jalen Berger, who I'm not that crazy about, coming in from Wisconsin, and Jarek Broussard from Colorado. Uh, Broussard was a was a really was a pretty good player for Colorado. Uh, One Pac-12 offensive player of the year in 2020. Uh, Their offensive line, um, I feel sort of positive about. Uh, They have a lot of experience coming back. Um, But, like you said, their defense is where things get a little murky. And it's... Even everything about Michigan State is bizarre because while they while they led the conference in sacks, they were just so terrible in the the back end of their defense. Uh, Jacob Slade is going to anchor that defensive line, uh, at defensive tackle. Um, and like you said, they were again, very active in the, uh, in the transfer portal, uh, bringing in Florida transfer, uh, Chris Bogle, uh, yeah, so uh, they also brought in UNLV transfer Jake Jacoby Winman, who Penn State was actually off was actually after. Uh, but Mel Tucker, Mel Tucker's going to be able to flex that Kenneth Walker transfer uh, pretty hard because Kenneth Walker was a bit of an afterthought at Wake Forest, and then he came comes into Michigan State and just explodes onto the scene. So that's really, really, I think that's going to be a benefit for them in years to come. Um. Yeah, there are a tough team to predict. I'm a believer in Mel Tucker. I thought he he inherited a terrible ro that maybe not terrible, maybe terrible is too strong of a word, but a pretty shoddy roster in 2020. And it felt like they competed in every game. And even though they only finished two and five, and then last year, yeah, outside of the Ohio State debacle, they were. Again, really competitive in every game. They beat their rival Michigan twice. Uh, they beat Penn State. They And yeah, I think there's a lot of things that they should feel pretty positive about. And it wouldn't shock me if they went 7-5. and five, And it wouldn't shock me if they went 10-2 and two again. And it's a very... They're just a very, very interesting team. And I have a hard... Time pinpointing what I think they're going to be. I don't know if Corey feels the same way, uh, but that's
0: generally how I feel about them. I was gonna let you finish before I go on my rant here. I am not high in Michigan State. <clears throat> I'm just not high on them. Um they won four games last year by five points or less. Including games against Nebraska and Indiana, and obviously Penn State, which by all accounts, were not good teams or great teams at least, definitely not good teams when you're talking about Indiana um last season. So they won a lot of close games. They deserve credit for winning close games because that's impressive how many close games they are able to win. Um, they didn't lose any of the close games Also, I mean, so you, you, they're like the anti-Nebraska, if you will, of last season. On top of that, though, like I said, one of the best running backs last year in Kenneth Walker. I think they had a slam dunk in the transfer portal thing. My thoughts on the transfer portal and Sean, I think we agree here. You're rolling the dice, and you know they rolled double sixes, or they rolled snake eyes. Yeah they they got snake eyes, and they got really good players. You cannot count on transfer portals and true freshmen coming in and being studs right away all the time. It happens. And maybe it will happen again. And maybe they are really good at identifying talent. But I still think the more you go back and to the well, you're eventually not going to get the same result. And I don't know how you get the same exact result again. On top of that, I would argue going to the transfer portal all the time, it's hard to establish a true identity of your team. And sometimes it works out great. I think it worked out really well, obviously, last year for them. But you roll those dice and since it happened so well last year, maybe lightning strikes again. Maybe they go and Jalen Berger, which by the way, I agree with you. I am not high on Jalen Berger, way higher in Broussard than I am on Berger. Um, Maybe things work out again. I am not a believer in lightning striking twice for them. They won a lot of close games last year as it was, and they lose their best running back and their offensive line is a little bit questionable. I got to give credit to Peyton Thorne because he looked good in that pit game. But I'm not 100% sold on Peyton Thorne yet. And then let's talk defense. We're assuming that this defense is automatically going to be better. Uh, and I, by the way, before we get to the defense, I should at least shout out Jaden Reed, one of the best receivers in the Big Ten. I think he's a stud. 1,000 yards receiving, 10 touchdowns. Like That dude's great. Fantastic. But let's talk the defense. Everyone's assuming that this defense is going to be better last year. And I think it is weird that they were... The best in the Big Ten in sacks. They were second in the Big Ten in tackles for a loss, and yet they were still terrible. Like, how are you so bad in pass defense, but so good in TFLs and sacks? Unless your defensive backs are just terrible. You leave them on islands, and they just give up play after play after play, which is exactly what they did. A lot of times they're out of position. I mean, they were, they were just had a lot of issues last year. They bring in Amir Speed from, from Georgia, right? And everyone's like, oh, that's a big get. I don't understand why people are so high on Amir speed. Five years he was at Georgia, Sean. 25 tackles in those five years, not really much to talk about. I mean, he might be good, but just because he's coming from Georgia, I mean, he's not staying at Georgia because he's not going to play this year. So let's not make it seem like he's going to be some super stud. On top of that, the only reason to feel good about it, and I wouldn't feel great about any returning defensive back from Michigan State, is they bring back Henderson, who had 96 tackles last year. like, yeah, maybe they'll be good against the run, but that doesn't make me feel any better about his ability to play pass coverage. And on top of that, Sean, I have my question marks about Mel Tucker. He's supposed to be a secondaries coach, a good defensive backs coach. And yet, last year's pass defense was not an anomaly for a Mel Tucker-led defense. Let's go all the way back to 2019 Colorado, when Mel Tucker was at Colorado. I want to take a guess on what their past defense ranked in 2019, Sean. You tell me. 123rd in the country. Oof. So let's, I'm not saying Colorado had, you know, in a great array of players either. But let's not act like this is something that is just happening for the first time under Mel Tucker. I'm not ready to say it's a pattern. I'm not ready to say it's a habit. But let's not act like this is just a one-time thing. Are they going to be as bad as they were last year as far as past events? I don't think so. I don't think Speed's going to be a terrible addition for them. I'm just not thinking he's going to be the best thing that's come into the program. You lose your leading sacker. You lose uh, some linebackers. And you bring in a bunch of transfers. And they might be good transfers. I, I, I like the uh, Aaron Rule from Mississippi State. I think he plays a lot. You're asking uh, Jacoby Windman Windman from UNLV to be really good. You're asking a defensive end for uh, Bogle from Florida to be really good. A lot of transfers. You're going to rely on all these transfers to all of a sudden make your defense better. I'm not buying it, Sean. And even if they're like, whatever, the, the season plays out exactly the same way it played out in 2021. And you're in four clo- close games where you won you have a new place kicker now true freshman place kicker in jack stone so now you're going to rely on a true freshman place kicker to win you games that you only won maybe because you had a really good kicker last year on top of everything else so you theoretically have a worse team with a less of the uh, i guess a uh we we feel less strongly about the running game to control teams. And by the way, they didn't really control the ball very well last year in general because Kenneth Walker was taking everything to the house on the first play. Um, we now are, are saying they're going to have a new place kicker in those close game situations. Their defensive backs with their coach who has a history of giving up big passing yards in previous years. We know what they did last year, and all of a sudden they're just supposed to automatically be better. I'm not buying it, Sean. I'm not buying it. And they have a tough schedule. I mean, it's not like things are just super easy for Michigan State and things are going to be great. Let me just talk about this schedule real quick and what they have to do. I mean, it is not an easy schedule. Look, they get they get Western Michigan and Akron to start the year. So like okay, 2 and 0 most likely. Then they go on the road at Washington. Now, I think Michigan State's a better team than Washington, but playing at Washington is not an easy test. And Michigan State, if you go back, I mean, a couple of years ago, remember they went out to Arizona and got can opened? I mean, I don't like Big Ten teams going on the road early out on the West Coast. I think that's a really hard matchup for them early on. Then, and don't forget this, their crossover games this year, not nearly as easy as they were in the Big Ten West as they were last year. They, you know, they get Illinois, but they get Minnesota, and they get Uh, Wisconsin so those aren't gimme's by any stretch of the imagination on top of that they go get this home against Minnesota at Maryland home against Ohio State at Michigan after a bye I mean before we even get into November if you say Washington's a potential loss, Minnesota's a potential loss, Maryland's a potential loss, Ohio state's a loss. I mean, don't forget Ohio state whooped Michigan state's butt last year, which needs to be in the back of people's minds that that is what Michigan state can be from time to time. Like that is what is possible for some games this year. And then you have at Michigan, which I would say is a loss. So you're before you even get into November, you're talking about potentially five losses. I, I, probably not all going to be losses. Like if you put Washington and Minnesota, I say they probably win one of those games, not both of them Four losses before you hit November. And now it's easier November at Illinois Rutgers home against Indiana. But then you got to come on the road at the end of the year to face Penn state. I don't like that game for Michigan state. I, I feel good about where Penn state is at that point in the season and they get them at home. So, uh, so, yeah, I'm not high on them. I think the pass defense will be better, but I don't think by much. I think they're still going to struggle. And now they don't have the home run threat in Kenneth Walker. I mean, you go back and watch the Michigan game uh, Michigan State played. Michigan literally handed that game to them on a platter. I mean, Michigan State wasn't doing anything. And they and then Michigan just basically I mean, imploded on themselves. You go back and watch the Michigan State-Indiana game. Indiana was terrible. Penn State, Michigan State. Penn State pretty much handed that game to them to a certain degree. Um, yeah, I'm not saying this. I'm not saying Mel Tucker isn't putting Michigan State in the right direction. But the thing that they're going to win 10 plus games, I think 11 and 2 was a huge anomaly. I would be putting their I would put their prediction win that 7 to 8. If they go 8 and 4, Michigan State should be absolutely thrilled with that, to be honest with you, with so many question marks and all that. Someone in the some Michigan State fans going to listen to this episode and think I'm just just ratting on them, but until I see it, I I don't believe letting in strikes twice. And with their schedule, how are they even going to be motivated by the time they get in November? That's my big question. And 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 God forbid they have a hiccup somewhere. You have that bad of a pass defense. You play somebody on a day where you're not playing great on offense. Anybody could play against you. I mean. Look what Indiana did. And then you have, you know, question marks at kicker. Like, yeah, he's a really good kicker, supposedly, but he hasn't played in the Big Ten yet. He hasn't played in those situations. Do they win all? Sean, let me just say this. Do they win all? They had four games of five points or less that they won. There's no way they win all four of those next year, right? I mean, we agree to that. Let's say they go 50-50, plus a loss at Michigan, plus a loss at Ohio State. That's four losses right there, right? Okay, so he said a lot. Don't think it's fair to criticize
1: Mel Tucker for secondaries. I hear what you're saying. They haven't been impressive yet. But I would also remind you, in 2019, if we want to go back to the Colorado season, it was his first year there. He was doing a... He was. <laughs> it didn't actually happen because he left after one year. But he was attempting to do a rebuild. And then he had 2020, which was the COVID year, and then last year. And that secondary was basically put together with bird seed and gum. So I don't know if it's fair to criticize Mel Tucker yet for uh, having, for, just always having a deficient secondary. Now, if it happens again this year, then I'm way more receptive to that, to that possibility. Um, to answer your question. Do they win all those games again if they're all decided by five points or less? No. No. I think if they were to play that season 20 times, they 11-2 is the best case. And they just happen to get the best case. But I think there's something to be said about that. And I think it has to do with the, with the culture that Mel Tucker is instilling. They're going to be a gritty team. And they're going to fight. They're going to fight you and fight you and fight you. And oftentimes, they're going to win. They're, I think he, he's instilling a toughness, which which still, in 2022, with as spread-happy and pass-happy as there is, that means something. And they're going to be hard-nosed. They're going to go after the quarterback. And I think that's what, that, that's what this team is going to be going for. And now you're going to be in year three of Mel Tucker. Again, I'm a believer in him. And yes, you have to replace Kenneth Walker III. Nobody's going to replace him, but you're bringing in a good running back from Colorado, who uh, Tucker does have some. Who I believe Tucker does have some familiarity with, and you're bringing back Jalen Reed. And if Peyton Thorne could continue building off what he did last year, particularly like you said in the pick game, yeah, I think I think this is going to be a really. I think they could be a good team. I hear you on the schedule that it the they really they really drew some unfortunate matchups in the crossovers. Uh, but yeah, I you know, I would probably put this team and again, I think this is the toughest team to predict. I'd probably put them at eight wins. Um they probably lose one to Minnesota, Maryland, or Washington. Probably lose to Ohio State. Probably, Maybe they probably lose to Michigan, and they probably lose to one of Wisconsin or Penn State.
0: Mel Tucker was the defensive backs coach at Alabama in 2015. You want to take a guess on where their... Uh... Yards per game ended up at Alabama that year? Lay it on me. Thirtieth. Okay. With an Alabama defense and in all the, in the SEC stars, West,
1: you're and, gonna give up some you're gonna give up some yards.
0: No, 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 no. Five stars and four stars, blue chip maxed out with the pass rush that yeah, he I had. Yeah I don't
1: think 30th is terrible. I really don't. Was that? I don't think 30th.
0: I don't think 30th. So. If Michigan State's past defense was 30th next year, I'd say that's amazing. But we're talking about Alabama here. I don't think that's good at all. I think if you have a an Alabama defense, you should be top 10, top 15. I'll give you top 20 maybe. I don't think that's good enough. And I am just going to say this over and over again. I'm not a believer in it. I'm not a believer in him. And maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe I'll be eating crow when they come into Happy Valley and they stop Penn State by 30. But I'm just, I'm just not buying it, dude. I'm just not buying what they got going on. In, in 2016, his Georgia defense was 18th, which, whatever, not too bad there. Um, let me just find it here. Better pass defense. See, this is, I'll give him credit for this. In Georgia in 2017, they were eighth in pass defense and total yards, which I know is not, you know, the, the only thing that matters there. Um, and then in 2018, his last year, let me see where they're at here. I don't even see them. They're 12th. So blue chip guys averaged probably around a top 15. If you can, from Alabama, to Georgia, he averaged probably around a fifteen, six, probably fifteen to twenty. So not probably not enough to say that 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 that's a pattern of being terrible. But I would argue he had the two, one of the two best defenses ever, in Georgia and Alabama. I mean, you can't find that many more better athletes. And then he goes to Colorado, and yeah, Colorado is a terrible team. But then they stunk, and then twenty twenty one they stunk again, and I think they're going to continue to stink, but. We've talked a lot about it. And maybe maybe they will, but they still won 11 games last year. Yes, and that is fine. But if you look
1: at those games. That's the culture. He's instilling a great culture there.
0: That's true. But he's also instilling a culture of winning games when he, A, gets out turnovered and B, gives up more yards and has less yards than his offense does. And that happened a bunch of times. So, you can call it what you want. Typically, if you have more turnovers and you have less yards than your opponent, you're not going to win those games. And he was able to a bunch of times. Uh, I think Penn State even had more yards and less turnovers when they played them. It didn't matter. They still won that game. But is that what you're going to ride and hope to do all the time? I, I, that, that does not seem like a winning culture to me. Maybe that's what Penn State fans want, though. Keep thinking you can win games that way. I'm not buying it. And I'm not buying... Doing it through the transfer portal because if I'm a recruit at Michigan State, why would I want to? Why would I sign up to go to Michigan State if I know that this guy is going to go to the transfer portal anytime he can find somebody that might be better? He he had to do that. They went two and five last year. D'Antonio really
1: left them a mess. He had to go to the transfer portal. He went to the transfer
0: portal again this year. Yeah, because it's about a three year rebuild. They were ahead of schedule last year. Oh, absolutely. But uh, my question is, he's not going to stop going to the transfer portal all of a sudden, right? I mean, he's the transfer portal king now. And if I'm a recruit, why would I want to go to Michigan State knowing that this guy could go out at any second and try to find somebody that's going to take my job all the time? I could develop for three years, and Mel Tucker, if he doesn't think I'm good enough, or he thinks he can get someone that might be just a little bit better, he's just going to go out to the... I don't know. I don't think that's a way to build a program. I think... No, but I
1: don't think they're exclusively building their program that way. They they were 26 in recruiting last year.
0: Yeah, but again, I think their transfer portal numbers was one of the best in the country. Yeah, they were 16th. So, look, I don't think they're going to be bad. I don't think Michigan State's going to, you know, take a tumble or anything like that. But the hype to think that they're going to finish better than Penn State, and and maybe that sounds a little bit. I mean, I don't think they're going to finish better than Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and I think Maryland is going to beat them and Michigan State's actually going to finish fifth in the Big Ten East. That's my prediction, Sean. That's fine. That's fine.
1: Um, I don't know what Penn State's done to make us think that Michigan State's going to to finish ahead of Michigan State, but I don't know. I, I think they're a tough team to get a read on. Um, because, and you have to keep in mind too, college football, every year is a new year. I mean, it's a cliche, but every year is a new year and you don't know how things are going to translate. And they did get lucky last year. Um, you know, if they play that season 20 times, 11 and two, definitely best case scenario, but they did it. And I think there has to be something said about that. And now they're bringing in more recruiting talent. Uh, I agree with you. Uh, They're very dependent on the portal right now, but I think they have to be. And I don't think that's a knock on Tucker for being dependent on the portal right now when he inherited a semi-dumpster
0: fire. No, that's fine. All I'm saying is as far as Penn State being better than Michigan State, I don't know if they really are much better. But let's say both of these teams are, let's say they're seven and three. Is that right? Yeah, seven and three. Uh, ten, no, seven and four. Eight
1: and three. Yeah, or, or seven and four. Yeah, yeah depends yeah, on we, what
0: you want. We'll, we'll, go, we'll say they're both seven and four at that point. And... No, I mean, you could do it either way. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. Um, going into that last game. Same record, everything like that. Penn State gets them at home. To me, that's enough as of right now. And I would say the same thing if it was at Michigan State. That's enough for me right now to say, yeah, Penn State. And that game would then put Penn State at three. I know we're arguing about third place in the Big Ten, potentially. um, But that right there is enough to say, yeah, then Penn State finishes better. But honestly, I think Maryland's right in that conversation, too. Which I maybe I'm glad we ended up talking about Maryland and Michigan State at the same time. So I think Maryland, with a little bit easier of a schedule, and Maryland also gets Michigan State at home, for what it's worth. So... That's all I got to say about that in the words of Forrest Gump. Any final thoughts on Michigan State? Now we know your true colors. We know you're a mean green fighting machine, Sean. That, that's right. Go green, grow, go white.
1: Uh, <laughs> no, nah, I mean, they're, they're just so hard to predict. And I understand what I, – I totally understand what you're saying. And could I see a scenario where Michigan State finishes fifth in the Big Ten East? I could. I could. I think Maryland's going to be better. I think Penn State's going to be, hint, hint, I think Penn State's going to be better. I think their records are going to be better this year. Um, preview for the preview. But Michigan State, it's just so hard. I don't I do I don't think Michigan State's going to be as good as they were last year. I don't. But I, I just think in the future, I think Mel Tucker's going to prove to be Every, um, a formidable coach to deal with a lot like Mark D'Antonio was. And that depresses me <laughs> because it's hard enough to win in the Big Ten East. But if you have a really good Michigan State, that just makes everything so much harder.
0: I agree with that statement. I agree with that statement. Totally, totally agree with that statement. Um, Sean, let's wrap this one up. Guys, again, next week we are doing our massive Penn State preview for the whole season. Obviously, if you've been around for a while, last six months or so, you know, kind of where we lean on things, but we're going to wrap it all up into one episode. It's probably going to end up being like two hours, honestly, but we'll see what happens. Um, and then the following episode is going to be previewing Purdue specifically as we head into a uh, game week. So, which is exciting. Very exciting. Again, we are giving away hardcore football Penn State stickers. If you listen for an hour and 40 minutes of this. There's no reason for you not to go on. Drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Um, let us know that you did it, and uh, we'll send you a sticker. Appreciate everyone that's done that already. Um, if you don't want to do any of that stuff, and you listen this far, A, we appreciate you for being awesome. B, you must be as excited about Penn State football as we are. And just share it with a friend. Share it with a fellow Penn State football fan, someone that you think might enjoy this. Um, we have got a lot of love. I and mean, I said this last week, and I can say it again this week last week's episode did better than the previous week's episode and that has been the case for the last two months so thank you guys I wasn't sure actually it was getting close we weren't sure if this uh, this week's ep- or yeah this week's episode was actually gonna do better than last week's but it ended up doing better Sean I can officially report on a late Thursday Friday Saturday push uh, we, we ended up doing better which is saying something because we are uh, we're looking at a very very strong August here. As we, uh, as we head towards opening day, if you will. So uh, we just want to say thank you, and uh, it's it's been a blast so far, and we haven't even got to the start of the season.
1: Yeah, love that. Thank you all for listening and continuing to listen, and it sure looks like you guys are encouraging your friends to listen. So I really, 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 really appreciate it.
0: Yep, thank you guys. So um, we will be back for the Penn State preview. Make sure you guys go onto Twitter and do that poll takes, like, all of five seconds to answer a couple questions. We'll talk about those and a lot more to, uh, as we preview Penn State's full entire season on next week's episode. Um, there's a couple other things I want to talk about next week as well as far as what we'll be doing for the regular season. Um, hint, hint, nudge, nudge at a pick'em. Um, and hint, hint, nudge, nudge out. maybe some of the other fun stuff we have down the pipeline. So uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for all the support. And we will catch you next time on Hardcore Penn State Football. For Sean Kane, I am Corey. Le- oh, I'm sorry. For the great Sean Kane, I am Corey <laughs> Stokie. And we will catch you guys next time. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, guys.